0: Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. It's become one of the deadliest natural disasters of the century. The death toll from the Turkish and Syrian earthquake has surpassed 40,000 Today, the ABC's Alison Horn from one of the worst hit Turkish cities, where residents are furious the buildings they were told were safe simply crumbled to the ground.
1: Alison, just tell me where you are right now. Sam, I'm in the city of Adana in central Tukia. I have spent the majority of the last week uh, about three hours south of here in the region of Hatay and particularly in the city of Antarctica, and that is uh, what has been described to us by aid workers as ground zero. Near the Syrian border, there's utter devastation. The historic city of Antarctica has been wiped out. And it's demolished. There is not a single building in the inner city that is either not collapsed or so badly damaged that it will need to be destroyed. It's just such a confronting sight to walk around there.
0: Mm, How horrible. Tell me what you've been seeing there on the ground.
1: You can tell there's just this enormous sense of shock and mm. grief. So many bodies have been pulled from the rubble. People have either been sitting on the sides of the streets... Waiting for rescuers to try to find their loved ones underneath the debris and underneath the big slabs of concrete and twisted bits of metal. Or they have been sleeping in their cars, and when they have heard word that a body has been found, people have sort of rushed to the site to see whether or not that body belongs to them. A lot of bodies are just placed in body bags on the sidewalks and people walk around the city opening up those bags to see whether or not that is their loved one, to try and identify them. And of course, we've also seen miraculous rescues. I was on site watching a man who was pulled from the rubble after 180 odd hours of being buried. It was just so emotional. The rescue workers were crying. You could see they were hugging each other after they had ferried him along this line, uh, this kind of guard of honour, into the ambulance. Oh, my gosh. Amazing
0: stories of survival. Tell me, you met an Australian man there. Tell me about him because he was frustrated at the slowness, I guess, of the recovery effort.
1: Yeah, so we met Australian man Elias Pahali. He hopped on a flight the day after the earthquake because his uncle, Jan Pahali, who was also known as John, he was from Sydney, uh, he was actually visiting family in Antarctica when the uh, magnitude 7.8 quake struck. and Elias Pahali started searching. He knew exactly where the building was and so he went to that building. But he tells us that there were no recovery workers there. Unless they hear a sound, no one will come to help. They're all interested in the big apartments. Everyone is focused on them. He says that voices were being heard from within that building for several days. From what I've heard in the first day, there was someone calling out from that building his uncle didn't survive. It was just such an emotional scene. Elias stood there as this body was pulled out. He stood there silently with tears in his eyes. You could just see the emotional toll that this had taken on him. And he told us that he really felt that his uncle could have survived if someone had been there sooner. My uncle could have survived. He was calling out, but no one's gone.
0: so incredibly sad and, as you say, just so frustrating for these people. President Erdogan, he has acknowledged some initial shortcomings with the quake response.
1: Certainly there have been shortfalls, as the conditions have been clear. It is impossible to be prepared to face a disaster like this.
0: Alison, people are really angry, aren't they, also, at the building standards in what is a quake-prone area. You've told us of an entire city basically crumbling to the ground. That just doesn't seem right.
1: Yeah, and this is the thing. You know, there are a lot of old buildings here, but there are a hell of a lot of new buildings as well, buildings that should have been built to withstand this sort of earthquake, magnitude 7.8 earthquake, which isn't small, but it's also what the buildings here are meant to be built to. The code says that they should be able to withstand those sort of natural disasters. Local surveying engineer Erdi Iksizolu says his country was unprepared despite a tragic history of Disaster. earthquakes. There is no words to describe the feelings of... Of everyone here. Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the Turkish president, is facing an enormous amount of backlash not only for uh, the response of his government, which a lot of people have said has been completely lackluster, but they're also so upset about these uh, dodgy building practices that have been allowed to flourish that has now literally resulted in people dying. This is mostly happening from the non-qualification of the buildings. For example, this building is standing still and this one is collapsed. President Erdogan has ordered the arrest of 113 people, 113 arrest warrants that that have been issued uh, in connection to the construction of buildings and more arrests are expected. But that sort of an action, I think, will be seen by many as an attempt to just divert overall blame for this disaster because you know, for years, experts have warned that many of the new buildings in Tukia were unsafe due to mm. corruption and government policies. Uh, for example, one of these policies allowed a, you know, an amnesty effectively for contractors who swerved building regulations in order to encourage a construction boom. It's particularly important at the moment because the president's future is on the line here after spending about 20 years in power. The elections are coming up in May. And although Mr. Erdogan has admitted some shortcomings in the response, he has really clung to the line that there is no way that anybody could have foreseen the scale and size of this impact travelling around everywhere there is an incredible amount of anger we have been swarmed by people wanting to express their anger and frustration so it's been striking the level of frustration and rage people are feeling now
0: tell me Alison where are the rescue efforts up to now are there more international teams arriving what are the challenges that they're facing
1: I think, unfortunately, the rescue phase of this response is really coming to a close. A lot of these places either have snow or they're having freezing temperatures at night, which has made recovery there really difficult, but it's also made survival there really challenging. What will happen next is really um, a humanitarian effort Hundreds of thousands of people have nowhere to live. In Antakya, they sleep in cars, they set up fires on the roads, but because there's not much wood, they actually burn clothes because that's the only thing they have there. They burn clothes at night to keep themselves warm. There's also a lot of fear about looting. We've seen several examples of looting. So people don't feel safe. They don't have a safe place to live. We know that there are a number of rescue teams that are actually planning to leave this week in an indication that uh, this phase of the uh, response is really coming to an end now, and yes, there are still some glimmers of hope, there are still some very rare few people that have been pulled from the rubble in the last few hours, but those numbers are diminishing every day.
0: Alison Horn is an ABC correspondent covering the aftermath of the quake. The United Nations Humanitarian Chief is warning the death toll will continue to rise and could double. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield, Sydney Pede, Chris Dengate and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. Over the weekend, catch this week with David Lipson, where he'll be looking at whether the banks should really be passing on all the interest rate rises. I'm Sam Pawley. ABC News Daily will be back again on Monday.
1: You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.